for joining us for another episode of our SDBC podcast. Today, we are joined by Rebecca Vandenbrink, the newest member of our staff and the Director of Discipleship and Care Ministries here at SDBC. So to get this going, um, can you just tell us something interesting about your fa- about yourself that our church family might not know? You know, it was a great question. What might the church family not know? Um, having been part of the church for quite some years before the Lord t- took us somewhere else. So what's happened in the last sort of six years that we've been away? Um, I would say that um, it was the ordination into gospel mm. ministry. And um, yeah, it's great to be able to share that. What a blessing that mm-hmm. was. Yeah. So um, obviously I know this story a little bit because you told me, but um, just for our listeners sake, what was that ordination like and where was it? Where was that ordination? Mm-hmm. Um, that was, uh, it was in Norway, Stavanger, Norway, as uh, Sounds as like say. a fun place. Yeah. Uh, well, so it was a little oil town many years ago um, when wow. Norway found the oil, of course, um, it's become very rich. But what we see there um, is a lot of expats coming in for the oil industry. So um, ordination um, is usually it's, the process is you come before peers. And we were members of a Baptist church there. So I came uh, before um, Baptist pastors there and they examined me on Everything, basically everything is on the table, I was Mm -hmm. told. Mm -hmm. And that took uh, three to four hours to answer theological questions, spiritual questions, um, questions of discipline, etc. And uh, it was just uh, a most wonderful time. Yeah. And um, for people who don't know about your educational background as well, um, very, very fascinating, right? Um, What was your bachelor's degree in? My bachelor's was in agricultural science, but specifically in plant genetics. Yes. Wow. And, um, then I skipped and did something else, and then uh, I went back and uh, did my theological degree. Yeah. Very diverse. Yeah. Yes. So you went from plant genetics in your bachelor's, and then you went your your master's in, I believe, in um, master's of arts in Christian studies in applied theology, is it? No, um, so that would be an MSc. Yeah. Um, this was Master of Arts in Theological Studies. Okay. Um, but specializing in applied right. theology. Okay. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. Okay. So clearly you have done a lot of different things. And when we first met and were talking, I found out that you were actually a pilot at one time, which I just think is the coolest thing ever. So why don't you tell us all sort of how that came to be and what it was like to fly? Okay. Well, you know what? I got to dissect the question a little <laughs> bit first. Um, my mother always says that when she sees me, you know, I, I, I'm not the typical sort of person that you would envision to be a pilot. So I don't know if you have never met me. I'm the cute little one, the gorgeous one, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, this cute little girl. But I, um, flying. What does it? What is it like to become a pilot? And um, it was. It's an incredibly interesting process. Mm. So when you asked um, when you asked this question, I have to reflect really on what it taught me. Mm. In my Christian walk, I believe that God allows every aspect of um, our lives to be used by Him. So what did becoming a pilot really teach me? Well, it t- taught me really good disciplined habits and preparation. Mm-hmm. 
And no, you don't get into a plane and not have checked whether the propeller is attached, mm. right? Or you've got fuel, enough fuel to carry out your sortie. And I, I think that's something that very often we take for granted. I mean, how many of us get into a car in the morning and just think, okay, there's fuel in the car without mm -hmm. checking. Mm -hmm. So it becoming a pilot sort of enabled me to begin to be able to be very disciplined in who I am. Mm. And that has certainly helped me with my Christian walk. Um, now, you know, if you, if you carry on with that, um, it also taught me how to deal with something that I have, which is dyslexia. Mm. Um, in, the, in the Air Force, um, we had to learn all our checks off by heart. Mm. And if we didn't, we had to do the walk of shame. So you have pre-flight checks, you have checks for taxiing, you have checks pre-takeoff uh, pre checks. Mm. So by that point, you've, you've sort of gone all the way down to the beginning of the runway. Well, if you get one aspect of your check wrong, your instructor just told you to get out the plane mm. and walk all the way back to the tower. So many of us had a walk of shame, but wow. it taught me good discipline. Mm -hmm. And uh, in addition to that, you know, you don't want to be doing aerobatics when you haven't checked whether you've turned your booster engine on because the fuel will stop. So all sorts of things like that was very beautiful. Mm. Well, I'm glad you had that experience, Rebecca, because that's exactly how our staff works here at South Delta Baptist Church. <laughs> if you get it wrong, <laughs> yeah. get, if you get it wrong. get it wrong, we have a walk of shame, you know. <laughs> no, um, it's fascinating. Obviously, uh, an area that Mary and I have no experience in. Yeah, um, the so only cool, flying though. we do is as passengers. But a follow-up question for, for that. Have you ever flown with uh, Yost? Like, obviously, not just as passengers, but have you ever flown while Yost was passenger in your in your plane? Yeah, um, you did. So I was I was taught with the military, okay, the Royal Air Force in England, and then when I married, um, we continued my flying, my husband and I, um, and I got my commercial license, I got my instructor wow. rating, so. Yost would, Yost would fly with me. And then when I became an instructor, I took him out for a few basic lessons. Oh, really? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, it was exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was. Wow. Unique, um, I guess, husband and wife kind of um, mm -hmm. relationship there as instructor and <laughs> flight uh, student, I guess. Uh, that's great. How about your childhood? I know um, you've obviously have, um, we'll get to this later, but you have international experience living in very diverse settings, um, multiple continents, let alone countries and cities. Mm -hmm. But um, what was your childhood like? Do you have a favorite memory from childhood that you want to share with us? Yes, I think so. Um, my father was a military man, so I was actually born in Germany. Mm. But when he was moved back to the UK, we went to live in a, a, t a city called Nottingham in the centre mm -hmm. of England. And um, they had to find a new house because he was coming out of the military. And so my parents found this, this lovely house, but it was one... It was just being built. The whole housing sort of environment was just being built. So I think we were one of about six houses. And my backyard was a building site. Mm. And my mother, after two boys, she dressed me up with pretty ribbons in my <laughs> hair and these cute little dresses. And as soon as I could get out that door, 
I was the adventurer. I was the pioneer. Mm -hmm. So my sweetest memories were running out of the house, diving off sandbanks, running up scaffolding. And um, I think it was part of who God has created me to be in my Mm -hmm. uniqueness. You know, Mm -hmm. this adventurer, this pioneer. And that's what's so exciting about the Christian walk because God never keeps us in one place. Now that we've gotten to know you a little bit with all of those first questions, let's dive in a little bit deeper. So can you just give us sort of a brief synopsis of your ministry in the past six years? We know that you've been to Hong Kong, Norway. Just tell us what that was all like. Yeah, um, great question. So here we were, Joost and I sitting really comfortably in Tawasen, still had our home. And um, yeah, then God decided something different. So... Mm -hmm children left, they'd all uh, grown up, left home, and the Lord opened an opportunity uh, at Hong Kong. Now, I don't know whether you've been to Hong Kong, Mm -hmm. but it's uh, such a dynamic city. It's it's electric, Um, always buzzing with a Mm -hmm. hive of, um, that hive of, of busyness. And we were really expectant to see what God would draw us into, what he would expect from us, mm-hmm. what type of ministry. And I even had um, a form of ministry there set for me when I got there, and that was just teaching. Um, but in, in God's kingdom economy, God always has something extra for us. Mm-hmm. And um, the beauty was that he... he he always gives us time to adapt because, you know, as, as you mentioned, the past six years, we made a couple of moves there. And um, we wanted to see which church the Lord would call us into. Um, and he called us into a very, very special church, um, I think, because it, it sort of started our exposure into international community churches. Mm-hmm. And it was called Island ECC, so Island Ecumenical Community Church. And once they found out about me having gone back to seminary, um, they obviously were were then very interested in extending what what I could do, how I could serve. And what, what initially started as just teaching turned into counseling, mentoring, teaching uh, mm. marital groups, and just bringing by um, a whole load of care to a lot of people in need. And um, yeah, God was good in that time. And then he decided after two and a half years that it was time to move again. Mm. And um, he provided work for Joost in, in Norway. And I just sort of sat back and said, okay, Lord, you've had me on task for a couple, two and a half years, so I'm looking for a little bit of space now and a, a time of, of rest. Um, but then we arrived in Norway and he had another role for me there. Mm. And we took our time once more to find the right type of church. So we joined a church, a smaller church compared to Hong Kong, which was something like four or 5,000 people a Sunday, four services oh. on four floors, <laughs> four times. So um, on a Sunday, a huge, huge church to then a much smaller church, North Sea Baptist Church in, uh, in Norway. And once the lead pastor again found out 
who who I was, my heart for ministry, um, I became the, the pastor of ministries there, and I served in that role. Mm-hmm. One thing I would like to talk about, you asked for a brief synopsis, but one thing I'd like to, to share with my new church family mm-hmm. is how that time in Norway and that time in Hong Kong really opened my mind Mm -hmm. to who God is calling us to be as the bride of Christ. And um, under David Fresh, who was my lead pastor and mentor in in, uh, Stavanger, he he is in charge or in part of the leadership of some very global organizations. One is um, International Baptist Churches, that's 66 churches throughout the world that church plants, multiplies, disciples and equips churches. Um, And these are all English speaking churches. So what we have now in when we think of the global church, we're actually thinking of a diaspora. So for those of us who are familiar with scripture, you know, we know that it happened to the children of Israel. They went into exile and captivity. But we have now, we're living in a global diaspora where people are coming as refugees, people are moving through work, and all these people need a place to call home, Mm -hmm. an English-speaking home, a church, in which they can um, worship and serve. So that was one organization. Another organization was MICN, which is Missional International Church Network. Um, And I think it's so important for us to remember that even while we're in North America now, we have this missional mindset wherever we are, and that is to take the gospel and equip one another to be on commission for Mm -hmm. God. Yeah, so we we definitely love that missional aspect of your experience, um, both in Hong Kong and Norway, and of course here as well. Um, uh, many of our listeners may already know that you used to be uh, deeply involved with South Delta Baptist Church until the moment you left, um, briefly on staff here before you left. And then you, as soon as we kind of brought you onto staff, you left to um, do, do the Hong Kong and uh, Norway track there. But um, we're happy to have you back. And mm-hmm. when we came back, uh, we started talking, you know, while you were in your quarantine still, you and Yost, um, um having moved during the cor- um, pandemic, what we found was quickly are similar hearts for and passion for a mission, right? Mm -hmm. God has a mission and he's on a mission and he's a missionary God. And he calls us to follow him in that mission. The following, you know, the discipling aspect of it is for us to multiply disciples, not for us to just grow selfishly, um, just for us to become a better person. I totally believe that God makes us a better person. Surrendering to God is the key to being Mm -hmm. a good person in every sense of that word. However, God doesn't call us just for that. God calls us and saves us and redeems us for something even better. To, to partner with them and to work with them and to follow his leading into a, his mission where he's restoring, reconciling, redeeming his amazing work through his church, through his people. It's amazing. It's the most beautiful part. And I saw your passion in it. And I saw the missional aspect of what you've done both in Norway and Hong Kong and how you could bring that to our church family now that God's brought you back here into um, the Lower Mainland, here into BC. 
Um, your role and staff here is director of discipleship and care ministries. There's two larger, broader mm-hmm. kind of senses there. Um, so what will that entail just for our, our, our church family to understand? What, what does that encompass? Well, you know what, Paul, I'm glad you asked the question. What does it entail? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Big question. Well, we lived in, um, before we came to Canada, um, we lived in Spain for four years. And we would just travel up to the mountains. So I'm I'm sort of dismantling your question a little bit to give some perspective Mm -hmm. here. We travel up to the mountains and we'd see these sort of older shepherds with just a scythe, right? So not like North America where they're all out in their tractors and they're mowing Mm -hmm. the verges. So a little guy with a scythe just out there chopping away at the weeds or the crops or whatever they are. And this role that you have given me, I need a combine harvest, (laughs) okay? Um, But what it brings to mind is that while this totally speaks into the gifting that God has given Mm. to me and it speaks to the passion that I have Mm -hmm. and how God has developed um, me over these past years. It also speaks to me that this is a huge, huge area to cover, Mm -hmm. but I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the scripture from 2 Corinthians 12, 9 comes to mind, you know, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. And brother and sister, Mary, Paul, you know, I am a weak person, Mm -hmm. but when I rely on the resources of Mm -hmm. the Almighty One, He is the one who is going to do this. So therefore, I will boast all the time more gladly in my weaknesses that Mm -hmm. the power of Christ may rest on me. And that is my prayer for this role and this job. So I'm going to trust in God to provide. I'm going to trust in what we believe in as a church, the priest of of all believers. And um, I also, at this point, um, given that it is such a big sort of area, I want to just put it into two categories and describe Mm -hmm. how I see this. Mm -hmm. So my first priority is discipleship. And one thing that COVID has really helped us in as a church in, in leadership is it's helped identify where we can focus more of Christ's love and service both to one another and to the community. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking with you, Paul, you know, uh, working on a discipleship initiative that will do a number of things. And I'd like to just share those. Yeah. First thing is slow down people's lives so that they can cultivate a deep personal relationship with Jesus. Mm. The second thing is that this slowing down, this being with Christ rather than doing for Christ, may well challenge the values of the Western culture that in some ways have compromised the radical call of following Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, I can, I can speak to this because the past six years have shown me cultures that haven't been limited by how they think in that Western society. 
So the big question, you know, with discipleship is always, what is the cost? Will I pick up my cross and follow or will I not? Third thing that would be part of this thought on developing this initiative is that I would like to see something that um, will integrate sadness, loss, and vulnerability, and that will allow us to embrace and access God's power. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will enable us then, by coming to terms with these areas of emotion sometimes, you know, enable God's power to offer God's love to this community, which coming through COVID is broken. Yeah. It is grieving, it mm-hmm. has suffered, it has gone through loss. And then I do pray and I hope that through this, this perhaps structure, this initiative, that we will be able to measure one with another a spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. Because that is what you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Where are we in Christ? What is our cost? What are we picking up our cross in? Mm-hmm. And that will be measured really. A spiritual maturity is measured in our ability to love others. Yes. And this is what this church desires to do, to mm-hmm. love like Jesus. Mm-hmm. The second area is the care ministry. Mm-hmm. And so there we have some awesome care ministries. Mm-hmm. And they have done such a marvelous job through mm-hmm. this pandemic. They have maintained care. They have attended to needs. And I see my role as you know, just spiritually overseeing Mm -hmm. and meeting the needs in those regards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm getting excited just even hearing you speak on these Mm -hmm. exciting new and and not just new, but continuation of what God has been doing for all human history. Right. Um, Sometimes I I like I hear and I like saying, too, that God calls us to a countercultural way of living when he calls us into discipleship. However, it's not countercultural because it wasn't the way it was supposed to be. It's countercultural because we've fallen off the way it was supposed to be. We've, mm-hmm. we've lived in this broken world so long that that's become the norm for many of us living in this sin-marred, broken world. And we forgot to dream that vision that God gave us, you know, that dream, that vision, that reality in the Garden of Eden, that reality of close pre- presence of God, intimacy with God, that relationship mm-hmm. being unhindered um, and that amazing relationship with God, walking with him, that we've we've lost and we forgot to even expect a world where we could do that. And I think the real true journey of discipleship is to reconcile to that, to redeem yes. and to restore to that. And that's God's call. When he calls us to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow after him, like you mentioned, that is the beauty of it. He's going to restore us to that original peace, the shalom. Right? The way he's always created us to be. And we believe, we all believe here that that is literally the best way to live. That Amen. is the way to live. We're not saying, hey, this is going to be easy. It's not going to be hard. No, we're not saying that. However, this is going to be totally worth it because this way to live is literally the best way to live. Mm-hmm. Living out our full potential, meaning, purpose, all of that combined, this is the way to live. We believe in a rich and abundant life in Christ. And I think I think that's what we want to help each other and one another do in this church family. And I think you coming on, I, I believe you coming on will 
um, continue that desire for our church to become followers of Christ and to continue to grow and never to settle with what the world tells us, what our meaning and purpose is in life. Mm. That, you know, nine to five, get your food on the table, maybe have a little bit of fun, then your life is complete. There's so much more that our souls and our hearts desire. And I believe God will fill those desires. And I'm so excited to see how you will help our church family um, create that culture of discipleship becoming the highest priority of our lives as followers of Christ. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Now, Paul's mentioned this excitement word, and I'm excited just hearing about it. But now we actually get to ask you, what are you most excited about, about this role? And I love asking this question because we really get to sort of like peel you open a bit and see where, what the passions <laughs> the Lord has given you are and really see that. So I'm very excited to ask you this question. But Rebecca, what are you most excited about in regards to this role here at SDBC? Well, you know, I mentioned that I'm dyslexic. So first of all, I had to go to the dictionary and really define what excited is. Okay? <laughs> and then I had to put it in the context and, um, and look at what is the role and, and say, okay, Lord, um, this is the calling upon my heart this season of my life. And this is what you've called me into. And so then I had to say, okay, but, but how is it, Lord, what is it that you've given me that I'm most excited about? And so I just want to address that first. I get, my, I get the most joy when I see hearts changed, mm -hmm. when I see hearts freed, and I see people living in the liberty and the freedom of Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes through discipling someone and then saying, okay, release. Mm -hmm. And they go out and they multiply. Mm -hmm. One thing I didn't share, but when the Lord called us away from Hong Kong, all the people that I, he, he brought into my life that I'd spoken into, um, they all went out and multiplied. Mm -hmm. There are groups in Shanghai, in Korea, in the US, mm -hmm. in Hong Kong. That is what excites me, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to see the gospel message being taken, yeah. to see us speaking into each other's lives and living life together. So that is what I'm excited about here, that God will bring people along my path, that he will enable us as a family to speak powerfully and passionately and live like together and live life together and love as Christ. Mm -hmm. um, one verse from a couple of verses from Ephesians. So it's from Ephesians 5 verses 25 to 27. I'm just cutting in, in in verse 25 here. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. That excites me, mm -hmm. that as a church, we would be holy and blameless when Christ re returns, that we can be presented like that. Mm -hmm. um, 
So that is my overall excitement. That's my calling into gospel ministry. How does that translate into this role? Um, I want to grow in my faith Mm. because we never arrive. Mm. And I want to do it in a way that I learn from my brothers and sisters, that I can serve my brothers and sisters, and that I can love this community as Christ has called me to love Mm. them. I would love to, um, I'm excited also and expectant of what God is going to do in our midst as we learn how to be disciples and disciple makers. Mm -hmm. And then I want to just finish with one more portion of scripture because that's also (laughs) my gifting, a teacher. Um, When the Lord called me into gospel ministry, and it is the calling upon my life. He gave me uh, the verses from Isaiah, chapter 43, 16 to 21. Now, as a teacher, I never say take verses out of context, so I'll give you a bit <laughs> of context in a moment. But the verses read this, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, mm-hmm. who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty man. They will lie down together and not rise again. They have quenched and extinguished like a wick. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now, Isaiah takes his picture from the Red Sea event and from the wonders of that earlier wilderness journey. But he issues an important reminder. The past can teach and illustrate but it must not bind. Mm -hmm. And as I come back into South Delta, nearly said North North Sea there, (laughs) and the times I've stood before North Sea and said South Delta, but as I come back into South Delta, we have a beautiful history, but it is not not that that holds us Mm -hmm. because God is going to do something new. And I want to just finish with this. The Lord is always has greater things in store. Okay? Do we believe that? Amen. I do. He is revealed, he is revealed in the past, but he is always more than the past has revealed. So I am truly excited to see what God is going to do mm-hmm. here. Yeah, as am I. And uh, I'm sure people who are listening to this or church family will also share in that excitement and the Mm -hmm. passion for us to continue to seek what God will do. Like you said, great things, new things, amazing things, because he is so big, so grand, so amazing. Um, I love, you know, the, the fact that you've multiplied your disciples in multiple countries to 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 touch different areas of the world, even. And I think that's what caused us to see, okay, this is going to be a great fit for our church family. Not only because we know Rebecca and she's been here before, but mostly because you have a track record of doing this in other settings. And God's Mm -hmm. used you in in doing this, making disciples, but also making disciple makers. Um, And that was what appealed to us when we were starting to have that conversation about how would this fit in our church? Because, you know, we we like to not hire just because a person does well on an interview. Um, A lot of people can be smart and know what to say and know what the right answers are in an interview setting. But what impresses us is a track record of you doing it faithfully. 
Um, I, I remember having a conversation with a younger person who wanted to go into vocational ministry um, at a church. And I asked him, where do you serve now as a volunteer? And he's like, well, I'm not really serving because I'm focusing on my studies. Okay, so where have you served in the past? And there was really no track record of serving or um, loving the church family with any kind of service. And I pointed out to the person, well, show me a track record then, then I think we can talk about what the what the vocational ministry will look like, mm. rather than asking for the position and I'll do it then. And I loved how you brought a track record of doing this faithfully and passionately before. Therefore, we trust and believe God will do it again. Mm. Uh, we know God's powerful. Yes. <laughs> we know that. We're just trying to figure out who's He going to do this through at our church, and who is He going to help. Um, who's going to place in our family to help us along that journey together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I believe and trust that it is um, going to be you, that God's going to work through you. He's going to do mighty things at our church. I just know that he will. Um, and I trust that he will. So super excited for it. South Delta Baptist Church family for listening. I hope you're excited as well. People who are not from our church listening, I hope you're excited about this, this passion that we have for ministry, for, for disciple making. This isn't just at our church or any local church in particular. This is for all global Christ following people. This is for us all. And I hope you're excited by this and you seek to see where you fit in this journey of disciple making and making disciple makers as well. Mm -hmm. So God bless you all. I hope you've enjoyed our episode today and we'll hope to see you soon in the next episode. And if you see Rebecca um, at church, I know the pandemic is winding down now a little bit. And if you get to see her Mm -hmm. in town, say hello and um, encourage her as well. And please pray for Rebecca and our church as we continue to push this initiative forward as we make disciples who make disciples. Thank you. 